As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome into The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It's week three breakdown some week four waivers and maybe just maybe the worst weekend of football that I can recall maybe that's just me Brandon Funston was it the worst weekend of football that you can recall in more recent history um I don't know I mean I kind of had expectations it was going to be a bad weekend just kind of the way you know like especially like you know the big the big billing of the battle of the bays Tampa Bay and Green Bay I saw that over under was at 42. I was big time on the under and uh, that delivered. So, you know, you had like the heavyweight title belt where the two heavyweights are basically leaning on each other the whole time and not throwing punches. So um, Seahawks fan here. I predicted that Atlanta would come in and win. Um, you know, the the Denver offense is look, looking terrible and, and San Francisco got great defense. So you get an 11 to 10 game for the second time in NFL history on Sunday yeah. night. Yeah, there was a lot of bad football, but I don't think it was completely uh, without expectation, maybe to the level. But I, I didn't think it was going to be an epic kind of weekend. Oh, maybe I'm just biased, Mr. Jake Seeley, the all-in kid, watching and ending my Sunday night with a 10-11 game and watching the new 49ers quarterback just willy-nilly right out of bounds like he didn't realize he was in the end zone, watching a 12-14 game. Maybe I'm just a bit dramatic, and we just, you know, you know how they say like in a relationship, you don't want to end fighting. You know, you don't want to go to bed fighting. And for, unfortunately for week three, we went to bed in an argument, and we didn't fix it. And we haven't fixed it in the morning. Jake, uh, am I being a bit dramatic or was it as bad as build? No, it was bad also because, I don't know, Faustin, you forget like injuries on galore yeah. for the 1 p.m. games. It was like nonstop. It was like, can we just survive and make it to week four? So that and then, yeah, <laughs> we did cap off the injury nonsense with the misery of that Sunday night football game, which let's be honest. I mean, that was just um, do, do you have to edit this out? That was That's what it was. There's no other way to put it. <laughs> that was actually like uh this is like a little therapy session that was a relief for me because i have been holding this for uh for quite a bit i held back on the itl fantasy football podcast because that was rough to go and just it, there's just something about ending on a bad sunday night game that just has that that horrific 
you know, NFL weekend taste in your mouth where it's like you dedicated the whole day, all the players got injured, matchups are disaster. I don't know about you guys and how much you get into it. The prop market was it was awful on trying to hit anything there, I guess, unless you played unders. And then the NFL, they woke up on Monday morning and they said, oh, we've got the cure. We've got the cure for everybody that had a really bad weekend. And the cure is no more Pro Bowl. They announced it on Monday morning that they are scrapping the Pro Bowl, which, by the way, I'm a huge, huge fan of this. I just don't care coming off of that weekend of football. I think the Pro Bowl is worthless. It has been for years. I haven't, the last Pro Bowl I remember was Neil Smith and I think uh, Kevin Gogan with the 49ers getting in a fight in the Pro Bowl. And that was like in the early 2000s. It's the most worthless thing. But they actually did what a lot of us have joked about. Like, why don't we just do a skills competition in like a flag football game? That's exactly what they're doing. So, uh, Jake... I mean, are you a Pro Bowl guy? Have you ever been a Pro Bowl guy? I know we don't, none of us care about this in general, but I'm just kind of baffled that they just like, hey, here's a Monday morning news drop. Here's the Pro Bowl information after this week three of football. Now you get skills competition, which is a big thumbs up to me, and a flag football game that we'll all pretend to like for like eight minutes and then we'll watch anything else on once it gets into the second quarter. Yeah, this, what we said is, dude, the skills competition, like hockey, like baseball, should do more of, and, you know, the NBA does it. All the NBA's been going the opposite direction, making theirs worse and worse and worse. But, hey, this is what we can be clamoring for, is if you're going to do something to do that, the freaking quarterback competition was the fun thing from what they used to do years ago, and they kind of made that kind of wonky now, too. So, I mean, it's better than a Pro Bowl, but I, I don't know how much, it, given what the NFL has done, I don't know if that I put a lot of faith in what they're going to execute here. Like, I, I enjoy watching the dodgeball competition, but I don't know if I'll enjoy the flag flag football game. <laughs> the only thing, last thing, is just, like, they also don't have the thing. Like, what would be the thing? They don't have the three-point competition. They don't have the home run derby. If anything, it might be the best time for kickers to shine, dare I say, Mr. Jake Seeley, because a kicking competition would probably be the <laughs> only thing I could think of that would compete in like a home run derby or a, uh, a three-point contest. But I think you would get a full-out riot and uh, uh, go against from Mr. Jake Seeley if that actually happened. But let's get into uh, the actual stuff that went down for week three. lot to unpack and something that we were... Uh, presented with with this morning, I didn't really thought about it last night. I was doing some breakdown stuff, and uh, Tom Pelissaro over the NFL Network reports that DeAndre Swift and that shoulder injury could miss some time after shoulder, uh, suffering a shoulder sprain. They noted that surgery isn't expected to require um, for the surgery for the shoulder, but he could miss time, which uh, at this point would be a brutal blow because they were kind of really playing off of him. So, Jake, let's start with you repercussions on the DeAndre Swift. This is going to make Jamal Williams become, I mean, I don't know if you want to even call RB1, if you can jump that high, but if DeAndre Swift misses some time, this is going to push Jamal Williams up and maybe more of the receivers. I don't know how much more you could do for the receivers. It's just going to Jamal Williams, and then they're going to sprinkle in Craig Reynolds. So Jamal Williams will be top 15, and he probably will be an RB1, especially this week's Seattle. So Seattle, I think yeah, that, he has yeah. to be. So. So I would say that, yeah, he is in the RB1 because he's already been in the RB1 conversation just this very week when DeAndre Swift wasn't 100%. So uh, this is continuing. DeAndre Swift is, or Jamal Williams is still barely over 60% rostered in a lot of formats, including Yahoo. So I don't know what more people have to do to see situations like this. I'm going to be talking about a lot of them today where go after him. And if you let him sit out there, you're going to have to go after him hard. 
That's wild to me with the Jamal Williams stuff, especially with the red zone usage that he gets. Is Craig Reynolds going to become uh, a big guy for you? They got a couple Reynolds in there no. that will become interesting. No. No? No. Okay. Oh, easy enough. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Brandon, what do you think on the uh, same thing? It's kind of the same question. Swift missing time is going to be brutal for fantasy owners. It's going to be brutal for a couple of my leagues. Is Reynolds anything? Jamal Williams, I think, is kind of a no-brainer here, but I guess how high could he go? Yeah, I don't – I mean, it's Craig Reynolds. I don't feel like it's like we know that that's set in stone, that he's just automatically the number two. I mean, he is right now, but that, I don't feel like that is something that we – you know, it's not like – Jamal Williams ascends, and now Craig Reynolds is the Alexander Madison to the Jamal Williams kind of a deal. I think we got it. Well, also with them, just to throw in the, the other thing we don't know, and I would I would assume not, even though a lot of systems do this, is if, and this is what would make this interesting with him, if the team committed to being like, okay, now Reynolds goes into the Jamal Williams role. Or is the team going to go full on Jamal? You know, because before it was Swift and Williams going back and forth. You have some teams that would just throw a guy in. And this is why, you know, now Jordan Mason, really not. But he might become a little bit more applicable with the 49ers because he would jump into some of that usage role. There's no guarantee that the Lions would use Reynolds in any new role. It would just might be the backup to Jamal Williams getting 80% of it. And, no, and 60, Justin right? Jackson would probably be the pass catcher for DeAndre Swift, which is why no. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, Jackson or Reynolds become one piece of, of the second running back, which makes them both completely irrelevant. And there's one problem, as Pat and I always say, not any good. Sorry, Happy, you're not any good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we know that if they come out and they know that DeAndre Swift is like a, you know, a two to three week injury, like, I, don't, I doubt they're going to have a problem just really leaning heavily into Jamal Williams for, you know, for that kind of time frame and then know that he'll go back to being, you know, th that the mileage isn't going to be so bad because it's just a short-term deal. Yeah, and they are saying this is a week-to-week -week situation. The non-surgery piece of it is good, but when they say it's a non, it's a week-to-week -week situation, but also he's not going to require surgery, and they put those two headlines into one, it really does sound more serious than the week-to-week -week is being given to that. Um, you know, I mean, at this point, none of we can only speculate, but this this sounds to me like a multi-week situation because they also kind of push Swift back and he re-injured himself. That is going to make them a lot less likely to go back into that same situation. Uh, another big injury with just an iconic picture of, of him being uh, helped off. Mac Jones suffered a potential high ankle sprain this weekend. If it's confirmed, because they're still doing testing, if it's confirmed, it very likely could lead to an IL stint, which is going to bring uh, Brian Hoyer back in. So, Brandon, let's start with you. The Patriots in general don't have a whole lot of exciting fantasy anything, but you had Devontae Parker have a relatively good weekend. He went five catches for 156 yards. You've got the running backs, which, you know, if you take uh, if you take any fear off of teams, they might start stacking the box, which could make the wide receivers more exciting. So, Fantasy impact of Mac Jones missing time and Brian Hoyer stepping in, Brandon? Uh, probably puts New England in the you know very bottom dregs of offenses in the league. It's going to be an inept offense with Brian Hoyer, and they're going to lean into you know the Ramondre Stevenson taking a whole lot more snaps than Damian Harris. Uh, it's curious, but I think both of these guys are going to be heavily used going forward. They're going to have to lean into what Belichick's done plenty of times in the past. Is just a whole lot of defense and just some very conservative offense and try to win games ugly and um you know i think this is i, I don't care about the passing game at all going forward i, I mean i'm Devontae parker put up huge numbers with mac jones out for a long time i am 
he was probably going to be, you know, he'll be maybe a half dozen receivers down on my list of people I'd be targeting this week. I just don't see him as a regular guy. Jacoby Myers is going to be back. Um, yeah, I'm just interested in Stevenson and Harris at this point. Yeah, Jake, I was curious if you were going to be interested in Parker. Unfortunately, there were, well, unfortunately for him, but maybe on, from the fantasy, there's so many kind of exciting potential pickups from this weekend of still low ownership for a lot of guys that even though Parker had the big day and yes, he stepped into Jacoby Myers role, he's probably still down low on the totem pole. But I feel like if Hoyer does come into this with this team playing from behind with boxes being stacked more, you might see the Patriots have to lift the ball out but maybe that's not the case. Is there any impactful stuff out of Mac Jones missing time for you? No, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not coming for Fonstead, but just everybody out there. I don't think it's a downgrade because Mac Jones is trash. That's like, I don't know how many times <laughs> we have to see Mac Jones out there. Okay, you want to dink and dunk for four yards at a time to get your completion percentage to 67%? Go right ahead. It does nothing for the offense. Brian Hoare will at least throw a little bit more downfield. He won't complete as much, but I say it's a net neutral. That's what it is. Like, yeah, the offense, that's where I agree with Fonstead. The offense is still trash. I still want nothing to do with the pass catchers. I threw out... Devontae Parker as a deep flyer of like boom bros like okay it paid off he took it but I mean this could have easily gone sideways too I wasn't too excited about Devontae Parker with Jacoby Myers out but when Jacoby comes back still the number one target still wide receiver four because doesn't score a lot of touchdowns maybe Brian Hoyer can change that because what did what did Mac Jones do this past week zero touchdowns and three interceptions that's what I'm saying he's, he's, he's trash for this offense he's just very little ceiling for the receivers, so it goes down to Damian Harris and Rondre Stevenson. The interesting thing here is that Stevenson seemed to push a little bit ahead of Damian Harris this week. I'm not saying that's a definitive going forward, and I still don't want to screw around with it, just like Chase Edmonds or Raheem Mostert, as in next week it could be Damian Harris again, who also scored a touchdown, and then next week it could be back to Raheem Mostert and say it's Chase Edmonds. But at least with this backfield, you can start Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, I don't think that changes with Brian Hoyer. I, I really don't think this offense is going to take a step back or a step forward because this offense was already trash to begin with, and I think it's going to continue to be trash. Yeah, and just to jump in really quick, I feel like this weekend of what we saw from Stevenson and Harris, we saw a couple times last year, and it kind of made me push back on overreacting to it. And I think you know Jake's probably alluding to that as well. It's like that there was a couple points in time in last season where we were like, "Uh Oh, there is a changing of a guard here. And and then it just kind of settled back in on Damian Harris. So I think we got to kind of caution ourselves to overreact to that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's also, this is the reactionary time, like week two is too early to panic, but week three also kind of shows like we can, what we are seeing, what teams are giving us might be more of the reality. So there's a duality to both of it. It's There's a middle ground to it. So I don't blame uh, any of the fear of missing uh, any of that. But I do hope that 
you might get um you know you might get a little bit more in the passing game if you're looking for boring players. If you're looking for boring wide receivers, maybe there is going to be something there for you um with some of those wide receivers. Now, uh lastly on just the kind of quarterback front since we're talking about it, two notes for this coming week. Zach Wilson looks like he's going to return and uh Tua Tagovailoa he's mentioning he kind of like almost hyperextended his back. Uh, yeah. But I don't know sure. if there's any expected time missed on him and Zach Wilson coming back. Any uh, takes on both sides of those, Jake, for uh, Tua in the injury and Zach Wilson coming back affecting the Jets? No, the only take on that one is let's talk to the NFL about their concussion protocol because that's a load of, you know, what I said at the beginning of the show about that game that, like, oh, is his back really? Really? Like, that video that, was rough to watch. That video a, was rough to a, watch. Ask, if you ask every, every American or even people overseas listening to us, how many times have you thrown out your back and started walking wobbly? Like, when does that ever happen? Usually you throw out your back and you fall to the ground holding your back. You don't walk like you're drunk. So that's sidebar. Uh, the situation with Zach Wilson, I think it's just – it's going to be a little bit frustrating because we're sitting in a situation right now, not knowing what Garrett Wilson's injury is going to do, if that's going to hold him out for some time. And then also we already had the question of does Zach Wilson come in and go back to Elijah Moore. Does he balance it more? Does he throw to the running backs as much as Joe Flacco was throwing? Does he throw as much as Joe Flacco was throwing period? So I think there's a lot of factors at play here. Zach Wilson already threw a question mark out there. I think you roll out Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, if they're both out there and you continue to roll out Brees Hall and Michael Carter, but uh, if there is no Garrett Wilson, I think maybe Corey Davis, but this could be an interesting ripple effect with the quarterback and wide receiver, both question marks right now. Same thing, Brennan, on the quarterbacks, Wilson and Tua. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, I kind of jokingly said, you know, gosh, if, J- if Joe Flacco went out there and beat the Bengals, I, there might be, a, you know, a little bit of a quarterback controversy as of when they come back. They had a bad game. Zach Wilson to be a plug back in. It gives him, you know, it gives his arm talent gives them a higher ceiling overall. But we'll see where he's at in his, you know, development and stuff. But I don't really have a whole lot to add from what Jake said there. Uh, one of the best players from this weekend um, was Khalil Herbert. Went 20 carries, 157 yards, two touchdowns. Dave Montgomery got injured a little bit early. Word is the, on the initial test is they were positive. So this outcome is I've been kind of preaching about Khalil Herbert. I'm such a big fan of him. Does Khalil Herbert become the number one waiver wire pickup, regardless of the David Montgomery injury with this situation? Uh, Jake, it looks like you want to jump in first, so go ahead. (laughs) No, because I tweeted this out yesterday, and yeah, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek victory lap, but I said preseason, draft Khalil Herbert, week one, pick up Khalil Herbert, week two, pick up Khalil Herbert, week three, pick up Khalil Herbert. If he's... That's his yard, and I said this is on you. This is on every single person out there who ignored Khalil Herbert for this entire time, and the same other running backs going to this conversation. The fact that Alexander Madison is not sixty percent, uh, the fact that Jamal Williams is barely over sixty percent, and then you know there were some people out there like, well, you know, you can't predict injuries. It's like no, but that's the point. Like, stop screwing around with. Sorry, Funston, stop screwing around with Naheem Hines. Put these guys on your bench. Unless you need... Look, where Funston's right, when he talked about Naheem Hines last week, if you're a full-point PPR and you need the starter, if you have a shallow bench league where you only play with three or four benches, because I know there are leagues like that. So I'm not talking to those leagues. Those leagues, you know, you need Naheem Hines to start as your third running back, or even maybe your second running back if you went wide receiver heavy. But my point being is Naheem Hines of the world. If Sammy Watkins, before he got hurt, of the world, were sitting on your bench every single week and you never needed them... 
those are not the people you want on your bench. You want Herbert and Williams and P. Ryan, who we're going to talk about, and Madison and all these guys, because this is why you're holding them, is because if something happens, now you have Khalil Herbert, who has proven to be a bell cow, proved yesterday once again he is an RB1 when there is no David Montgomery, even as bad as this offense is. So, well, yes, if he's out in your league, you need to blow your entire budget, Funston. Yeah, no, I have him. I had him on my bench. Uh, I mean, you just don't know when these happen. But, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm not taking Naheem Hines over Herbert. I think I actually have both of those guys in, in a league or two. But my question is, so every time Khalil Herbert's had the opportunity, he's kind of just looked better than Montgomery. Like, when, when yeah, does that yeah. become, like, an overwhelming kind of evidence that they need to actually maybe make a move to at least a 50-50 split? Because you go back and look at the four games that he had run last year, 75 yards, 97 yards, 100 yards, 72 yards. He's averaging 7.4 yards per carry this year, gets to 20 carries, 157 yards. He just looks great, almost to the point where you're wondering if he, he just – if David Montgomery could have come close to what he did yesterday. Uh, so, yeah. Well, that was floated in the preseason. You remember that. Yeah. Austin, when we do yeah. beat reporter reports that this was going to be 50, 50 and potentially Herbert fit better. And what this offense was, although, I mean, this offense is still yeah, what's abysmal. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is what I've been preaching since that first game. And really at the beginning of the year, it's, it's crazy that the commitment is still there as it is with David Montgomery and that they're not making a concerted effort to, Put Khalil Herbert more in, but that's also why I know we talked about. I just want to re-hit on this point. Obviously, if Montgomery is going to miss time, Khalil Herbert is going to move up. But are you going to be comfortable moving forward? Maybe it's based on matchup or whatever, Brandon. With putting Khalil Herbert in, maybe a flex spot. You know, we're putting the Etienne's and the Brees Hall or Michael Carter, however you want to consider it. The Ramondre, Damian Harris. Are you comfortable making a choice on Khalil Herbert moving forward, or do you are you going to need to know? Montgomery's here, and then you need to see what the usage is once Montgomery comes back. Yeah, I think you're talking about how deep of a league are you and how much of a flyer are you willing to take. I, I, I'm going to need context. Like, if David Montgomery's healthy, I'm going to need to hear it from the coaches saying, yeah, Khalil Herbert's earned his way into a share of this role or something like that, or we see these guys as 50-50. And I almost, even at that, if it's a if it's a shower shower league, like I I was just telling Jake I have Khalil Herbert on a you know on a bench on a team I have like Damian Pierce and AJ Dillon and Damian Harris like I'm not gonna probably move Khalil Herbert ahead of those guys without some legit context of actually seeing it on the field when David Montgomery is healthy and Jake same thing was there any more takes on Khalil Herbert as far as like just going full in regardless of what's going on with uh, Montgomery. No, he's still, if Montgomery's okay, it's still, he's in the conversation with the Hines and stuff like that. And whether you play the second half of some timeshares like Mostert and Edmonds and matchup situations and stuff like that, the biggest problem going against Cleo Herbert is that, you know, you put him on a team like the Chiefs as the second half to Clyde Edwards Alaire, and you're probably like, yeah, I'll start him every single week. I don't care. Yeah. But he, he's on the offense throwing the ball 17 times. He's on the offense that Josh Allen threw more in one week than they have the entire season. That's all you need to know. Just since we were talking about the Bears for a second, how far out is anybody on Darnell Mooney? I mean, after this game, this was the uh, maybe get right this, game. No, this was the, this was the last draw. He you can you can full drop Darnell Mooney. Yeah, and I, I okay. I'm good. I'm glad to hear you say that because like the third game, I was with you. This was the get right game. This was the situation, and we still have what we have like 11 pass attempts, maybe 17, eight complete. We didn't even have double digit completions. Which, by the way, I don't think. 
Justin Fields has as many completions the entire season as Geno Smith had in week three. So that's a problem. <laughs> and they can't throw the ball. So Darnell oh, Mooney is probably going to have to go. This is a good, is a good to lead-in go. topic to a, 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 an even more precarious and dire situation in DJ Moore. Because I have him everywhere. And I know you have him on the yeah. show next. So. Yeah, well, there, there's two sides on this game. So since you did that, we'll just go into DJ Moore here. DJ Moore on the season after this last game, this is he is the, I guess, if you want to call it a better offense version of Darnell Mooney at this point. On the year, this is a year total. Seven, seven catches, 18 targets, 88 yards on the season. Does anybody trust, Brandon, you want to jump into it. Does anybody trust, do you trust DJ Moore moving forward? I do not trust him to start. I don't think this this isn't the Mooney situation where he's a straight cut, but I don't know how far we are from that because this is going to be a battle of your draft capital versus your sanity here. DJ Moore cannot be started until anything has been proven in that offense, at least in my eyes. And unfortunately, we're all going to be tested because they're going up against one of the worst secondaries this weekend with the Cardinals. So yeah, your thoughts on DJ Moore? Yeah, he'll be on my bench. I have him everywhere. You can't cut him, but this is a, one of those careful what you wish for you know i think a lot of people and myself included said oh this is going to be the best arm talent that dj moore's ever had to play with like that is like the most competent quarterback and you know and frankly you know and michael salfino brought this up baker kind of you know suppressed odell beckham's value in cleveland and here he is doing it to dj moore and frankly to christian mccaffrey um and you look at the schedule. I mean, they played the Giants, Cleveland. There's, you know, that was a that was a tough game. Saints are one of the best defenses in the league. Should get better. I would expect the coaches to go and say, "Hey, DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey are elite talents in this league. We got to do a better job." Kind of like how the Seahawks said, "You know what? We got to take shots. We got to get DK Metcalf more involved." And it wasn't huge numbers, but they did get him a touchdown. They did try to go to him. You know, I think. Where else are they going to go? Are they just going to continue to lean on Robbie Anderson and, and these ancillary parts? Or do you want to have this offense working through Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore? And I think it's definitely the latter. So I think there will be better days ahead, and they will make more of a concerted effort. But I, until that happens, and until you see it on the field, I think it's just bench until further notice. Yeah, Jake, I mean, how far off is DJ Moore from being Darnell Mooney at this point? Yeah, I think he's still way above in the fact that he's not droppable by any stretch of the imagination. Just the targets are still there. It's just Baker sucks at getting them to him. So I think that you're potentially looking at this is as bad as it can get, and he's still DJ Moore. So I'm not dropping him. Uh, Baker Mayfield hasn't been better than what he's seen in the past with Sam Darnold. But, like, again, I don't want to say, like, oh, it can't get any worse. Like, can't get any worse for Darnold Mooney. But, like, it kind of – I mean, we just saw a bottom for Darnold Mooney. Like, possibly can't get any worse, but at least – the difference is a zero versus some production. He would be a classic guy too, that you would think like this would be a buy opportunity, but I think with Baker at quarterback, Jake, why would anybody want to make that consideration in buying low on a guy like DJ Moore, even because though he's you get super him for talented. somebody who's about to drop him. That's why you have, but do you think that's the level we're at? Yeah. A hundred percent because it's all about okay. perception. It's about where, what you paid and where you took DJ Moore. This was the year that DJ Moore was supposed to be a wide receiver one because Baker was supposed to, be the best option he's had in past years. And, you know, I had DJ more close to my top 15, like thinking things could get better that, you know, more opportunities is Sam Darnold has been terrible. And the, all the options have been terrible for the Panthers, but it goes into, uh, I'll draw another player to this. It draws into Austin Eckler. Like it depends on what you did. So like maybe DJ Moore wasn't. And then that's the case is like, now you're not looking. No, now you're pissed off and don't want to drop him because you 
paid a decent price. If you did, like, so why I'm bringing in Austin Eckler for the comparison is because if you were like me and didn't draft Austin Eckler unless he fell to the back half of the first round, you're like, okay, fine. He's still catching seven, eight balls per week. I'm okay that the rushing's going to come around. He's eventually going to score a touchdown. So I'm okay. But if you drafted Austin Eckler as the third person off the board because of what happened last year, your perception is you're a lot more ticked off than I am. So that's what I'm saying. So if you took DJ Moore as a fringe wide receiver one, you might be able to buy him from that manager. If he was able to get him as his like wide receiver three, you might not be able to buy as much is what I'm saying. Be interesting to think on the the trade opportunities of what it would cost to get DJ Moore, what we'd have to give up. Like I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but like you give up like Romeo Dubs. Dobbs, I mean. Dobbs? Mm, you give I, up Dobbs I, for DJ I would, Moore? I would. You would? Okay. And I like Dobbs. We'll yeah. almost talk about Dobbs. I would. Okay. So, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's like the window. Maybe that's the place. Uh, on the other side of this game, Chris Olave really showed out. He kind of lived up, funny enough, he lived up to the massive air yards, A dot, everything that we would look behind the scenes at a player looking for a breakout. And he lived up to that this weekend. 13 targets, caught nine balls for 147 yards. Michael Thomas and Landry both got banged up, which created a little bit more opportunity. But all that it did was the opportunity was already there and happening. And then when they left, it just went on steroids. And he just, it was all Chris Olave. And he looks phenomenal there. Is Chris Olave a wide receiver two moving forward? Jake, we'll start with you. Mm, I wouldn't quite put him in two. Uh, just because, unless, I mean, if you told me Jarvis Landry is out for six weeks, maybe you can get into that conversation. But I still look at it. It's a Michael Thomas 1A, 1B. I know he's been better than more, more consistent than Michael Thomas. It was better this week. But I still think Michael Thomas is a big enough threat that I can't lock him into a number two with Jameis. That's, you know, Jameis just has some inconsistent play again. Uh, he went, he's reverted at times back to the old Jameis, and that times has been the smart player from last year. And this loss wasn't on him completely. I mean, that fumble by Camara was returned for a touchdown. They missed two field goals. Haha, band kickers. So it's not all on him yesterday. But at the same time, I think you look at Alave and Michael Thomas, and they have a good thing going. They have two great wide receivers. The problem is if Landry's out there, before Landry left the game, he was seeing targets on most of his routes run. He actually, if you look at just week three for the target percentage of route runs, Landry's inside the top 10 because it's about the routes you ran. And he ran enough routes that he still qualifies, and he was targeted more than anybody while out there. So I still think that's enough of a factor. Now, like, again, if Landry was to miss a significant amount of time, then you might get me to say yes, but it would still be low-end wide receiver, too. Brandon, can you beat that? Can you go a little bit more aggressive on Olave or no? No, I think the point here is that, like, if one of these receivers is out, you can put him in as a wide receiver, too, and, and make a strong case. If all three receivers are healthy, I think they're all, you know, wide receiver threes, you know, or maybe, maybe, maybe you kind of have to argue one of them into the wide receiver three conversation, but they're kind of all in that range. And I think it's a little bit, as Jake said, a mix and match because Jarvis Landry is a thing. Michael Thomas, you know, he started out hot and he's had some good moments here. So I just, you know, Alave seems to kind of be ascending as, as maybe because of all the air yards and because of what he did yesterday and because he's on an upward trajectory as a great, you know, rookie talent that you can start looking at. Like, you know what? Olave's maybe the most valuable receiver. Like, it, what would you do in a Michael Thomas versus Olave trade, challenge trade? Like, you could make the argument on Olave. I think you could. I mean, <laughs> it's it's tough. 
I, I kind of think I want Olave rest yeah. of season. Landry is sneaky. He's the sneakiest one on here to everything that Jake said. Like, the ball is going to get thrown his way. He's going to get targets. What is he going to do with those targets? I don't know, but we can all live with seven catches and 85 yards every single week. That's going to be fantastic for us. Olave is the big breakaway play option. 13 targets, to me, is different from what I expect from him. I don't expect him to monopolize targets. I expect him to get uh, six to seven and break away a big play and have the four catches for 90 yards and a score. That's what I'm looking for him. So I kind of think he has the biggest upside and he's the most exciting play out of these. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of big, exciting plays, it was a breakout weekend for Devonta Smith. Eight catches, 169 yards with a score. This weekend, Devonta was ranked outside the top 36 wide receivers on Fantasy Pros for week three, which is very interesting. So, Brandon, do you feel comfortable with Smith after this start being a must start moving forward inside the top 36. Was this the big breakout we need or was this kind of just a isolated moment for his production? No, I thought last week was his breakout game because he was so he was non-existent. He had zero catches in week one and he was targeted a lot and looked really good last week. What did he end up with? 80 yards, I think. Um, but that was kind of more in line. And I think you'll see A.J. Brown and, and Devonta Smith go back and forth between being the lead guy but the point here is that Jalen Hurts is looking a lot better, a lot more confident, making smarter decisions as a quarterback. And I just think Philly, you know, a lot of people were on Philly coming in saying this is going to be a surprise team. I Just looking across the NFC landscape, I think this is the best team in the NFC. I, I think Philly is the best all-around team. And if Jalen Hurts is going to continue to play like this and all these guys are on offense are firing on all cylinders like they are. So I – what I, what I think is this defense is really good. They're going to give the ball to the offense a lot, and I think Jalen Hurts is making decisions to make all these guys, even Goddard, um, you know, relevant weekly. And so, I, you know, I think Devonta Smith is, is solidly on that, that top 30 wide receiver bubble. I think he's a guy that you just put in most weeks and feel good about. Jake, would you trade Devonta Smith for DJ Moore? Mm, uh, if I'm chasing ceiling, yes. That's that's what it comes down to, but I think he can actually do better that at this point. I think coming, especially coming off week three, I think you get DJ Moore and a piece for Devonta Smith. I don't even think that's a net. I don't think that's an even trade. Uh, and I was just I was pulling it up. No, I was tweeting while we were doing this show. The interesting thing is about the routes percentage, the times that you're targeted route percentage target wise. Uh, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, week one thirty two and ten, and then week two was twenty three and eighteen. Smith was eighteen, and then last week it was twenty six and thirty two for Smith. And I think that goes to what Fonsta is talking about. Devonta Smith is your prototypical wide receiver three. Who he is, go back to who played for this team and a peak of his career, it's Deshaun Jackson. You put him out as your week three and you bite it. You And I say you bite the bad games. Like, just put him out there. Don't try to play matchups. Don't, like, yes, the Washington was a great matchup. But what I'm saying here is you're going to get some weeks where it's that 9.8 again and you're going to get a miserable game. But you don't draft the Devontae Smith and you don't draft peak Deshaun Jackson to try to play the matchups because you're going to miss some of the good games 
against bad matchups and you're going to play them and get some bad scores in good matchups because this is what they do. They have about four or five terrible games that piss you off. They have about four or five games where they're, they win you the week and then the rest of the season, they're a really good wide receiver three. So if you have Devonta Smith, don't try to bench him ever. Just play him. And what Fonston said is the reason, and well, you brought it up too, the reasons he's in the 30s is because this is the type of receiver he is. Yeah. Uh, two more quick ones, and we're going to get to the waiver wire. Jake, is Cam Akers' season back on? Nope. 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 No. 12 carries, 61 yards, touchdown nope. to Daryl nope. Henderson's four carries. And this carries. is coming from the Cam Akers guy. I watched the game, but yeah, I know Henderson's four carries, but what we're missing in that factor is Henderson's passing game work, and Henderson's still got goal line carries. You know, do I think the split is 60-40 in Akers' favor? Absolutely. Do I think it's going to be what I hoped and I had believed? I was completely wrong. I thought this would be Akers 70-75% this year. I thought McVay wanted him that way. They use him that way coming off the injury in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, as I referenced time and again. I wrote that, said that a million times. The usage yesterday after week two being like, okay, he looks good, but is this a 50-50 split or is this just he's getting back into it? Week three, it was a 50-50 snap usage split. Akers is the one I want. Akers gets some of those goal line carries as well, but Henderson does at two. So you're going to have weeks where Akers, if you just take Akers the first two and a half quarters of that game, you're ticked off. You you got, what, four fantasy points? Maybe three fantasy points before that point? Because it was miserable. It was miserable. It was going to look like Akers was ba- behind Henderson again. So that's why. No, it's not. It's not Akers is back. It's yes, 60-40, but it's never what, it was, what I was hoping it was going to be. Well, and I think just to add a different point to it is that I think we need to care less. This was the 27th most valuable backfield in half PPR last year, and that was because Sony Michelle came on at the end and helped elevate him to that level. Um, and they're 27th right now. Like, this is not Todd Gurley's backfield anymore, and this hasn't been a good, you know, robust backfield in a long time. I think we're just we're chasing ghosts in this backfield. We're chasing something that's not really there in Cam Akers. Like, um, you know, we want him to be what he what what his promise was coming in. You know, and he had the that those couple of games as a rookie where we just really bought hook, line, and sinker. But I think he's something less than that right now. And I think this offensive line is something less than they were. And I just don't think there's a potency here in this backfield that we're hoping for. This last player takes us into the waiver wire and our waiver wire order because this player this weekend to me is near the top of the list. Um, obviously there's, you always have to preface anything you do with waiver wire conversation being about context of your own team and your own needs and stuff like that. But there's a couple players in my eyes that are no brainer pickups. And one of those is Romeo Dobbs and eight catches, 73 yards at a score caught all eight of his targets from Aaron Rodgers. I think one of the biggest, most important things out of this is building that trust with Aaron Rodgers. That's a key for him to keep coming back to you. So, uh, Jake, let's start with you. Waiver wire. You can build Romeo Dobbs into it because I'm dying to know where does he sit for you, but give us your waiver wire order in your Romeo Dobbs breakdown of your top. And I know I always say top three is what I put on our sheet. You guys put a few more. If you want to order it more as a five, you can. But what does your waiver wire order for week four look like? Yeah, well, so my, my number one is depending on the size of your league and who's out there because the number one is a conglomerate. It's Khalil Herbert, Jamal Williams, Alexander Madison, and then let's include Samaj P. Ryan because Joe Mixon left and didn't return. Uh, these are all 
guys who are going to be the lead. These are some are more bell cow than the others, but they're all in the conversation as top 20 running backs, potentially RB ones like Herbert with the lead guy out. Uh, so they all need to be in that conversation. So that's why I put them there because they're kind of like a standalone other conversation. We've kind of sprinkled throughout the show. So the other two I'll include in this is Dobbs as my number two, mostly because I mentioned last week, I don't know if it was this show or the all in football show, but I said that Christian Watson's clearly the Lazard plan because when Lazard came back last week, Christian Washington fell all the way to fifth, and he was even behind Sammy Watkins and Cobb. Now, Sammy Watkins is on, on IR, but Dobbs stepped in as the two with Alan Lazard with no Christian Watson, so I don't think that Watson coming back is going to hurt Dobbs, and this is what we were waiting for. Who's the one and two? It's Lazard and Dobbs, and the rest of the group was so far behind. So where I'm going to pivot maybe a little bit and surprise people is I'm going to bring in the number one group again and say the conversation. If Jared McKinnon is still sitting out there, Go get Jarek McKinnon. If Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes down, McKinnon's stepping into the Edwards-Hilaire role. Yes, Pacheco will become a thing, but everybody's remembering Pacheco from the preseason and going crazy and holding him in leagues. I would take McKinnon over Pacheco right now if I knew Clyde Edwards-Hilaire got hurt because they're going to use him until McKinnon gets hurt. They're going to put him in that same exact role, and they've used him in that role before. So put McKinnon up there. We saw CEH really kind of thrive in the passing game, and that's what McKinnon does. But Pacheco would not theoretically move into that Yeah, Pacheco that spot. can catch, but it's McKinnon would be the, the pass catcher. McKinnon 100% is going to be the guy, and that's a preemptive move. That's maybe more than anything else you've got. Like, Herbert is a preemptive-ish move, but it's you pick him up regardless and you hold him. Dobbs, same thing. McKinnon is one of those where you're looking for that play. If he comes off, he becomes that number one guy. It's a really interesting one for number three, or theoretically could be like number five if you're considering all those running backs maybe being available. And Dobbs, Dobbs is kind of my number one as far as wide receivers go in a week that had a lot of good wide receivers. But Brandon, how do you order your waiver wire priorities for week four? And where does, and I'll be curious where Dobbs is going to sit on that Dobbs is up there. It's just, you know, it was, it's kind of open, it's open season for kind of, you know, grabbing, grabbing priority from Aaron Rodgers there, you know, and Christian Watson hasn't been healthy and Alan Lazard hasn't been super healthy and Sammy Watkins was out. So, you know, was this a little bit of a Mac Hollins effect where Romeo Dobbs was kind of just, you know, pilfered with targets by necessity, you know, because he's taken over uh, where vacating roles that weren't there. I mean, I think we liked what we heard about him in the preseason. There was a lot of buzz around him. So like I'm, I'm in on that because, I agree, like, you know, just going out and doing something and establishing a little bit of trust can go a long ways right now with Aaron Rodgers because there's not a lot of it to go around there in that passing game. So once you start to see something, I could see that just kind of starting to snowball. So I I would put him up there. Uh, obviously, you know, um, I would I would take Romeo Dobbs over Zay Jones, but I have Zay Jones on my list. This is a guy that's had – he's averaging eight targets per game. He's coming off an 11-target game. Um you know, he's kind of establishing himself as a number two option there. Evan Ingram's doing Evan Ingram things where he kind of fades in and out, and, and Travis Etienne's not getting a ton of targets in the passing game. It's kind of a lot of stuff's going to Zay Jones right now after Christian Kirk. So um, I would put him in the in the list. And then Isaiah McKenzie getting a lot of, a lot of work. You know, that's a Cole Beasley role, and that's just kind of like the classic sort of um, middle-class version of what Jarvis Landry was back in the day. Like, you know, it's not – it's not to like where Jarvis Landry was always just running out of slot and getting, you know, classic wide receiver two returns. Cole Beasley was kind of always like that back end wide receiver three that you didn't really want, but he was 
reliable for five, six catches most weeks. And I think Isaiah McKenzie can settle into that role as well. It's pretty great waiver wire week, if we're being honest. There's a lot of players out there, maybe not you know available in all the leagues. I play in a lot of deeper leagues. They might not, but it's a pretty good waiver wire week of players based on need. A lot of wide receivers, potentially a lot of running backs for you to pick and choose from. There isn't that one. It's not like this guy's out for the year and this guy over here. But there's a lot of guys to choose from. And if you guys want to find out all the deets on it, make sure you go and check out The Athletic on Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. You can check out Jake's article with all the waiver wire pieces that you're going to possibly need. So make sure you're tuned into that and you're subscribed to this podcast because we will be back later this week to prep you for all of week four. Jake Seeley on Twitter at AllInKid. Brandon Funson on Twitter at Brandon Funson and me on Twitter at is it the Welsh. Thank you guys for hanging out with us for the athletic fantasy football podcast. We'll talk to you again next time. Yeah.